In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi everyone, welcome to The Road to Know Her. This is a new podcast aimed to educate, inform and empower women to take control of our health. I'm Alex. And I'm Emmy. And we're trying to fill in the gaps of knowledge when it comes to our bodies and well-being. So let's jump in. Hi Emmy. Hiya, how you doing? Very well, thank you. How are you doing? I'm all good, I'm good. I'm, re- I'm feeling really great after that episode. I know, it was so helpful to talk it about boobs. It actually was, wasn't it? So helpful. And also, like, I've always had quite a negative view on boobs, because, do you know, at school everyone's like, I don't know, there's such a focus. Like, I remember me and my friend used to draw lines around our boobs to see whose would grow the biggest. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but how would the line stay there? Surely you shower, or did you just not shower no, as teenagers? On a, like, on a notepad. Oh, wow. So, like, we did, like, the outline of our boob, and then we'd see who, who's Oh, my quicker. God. It was such an obsession, wasn't it? It was. It was so weird. I, all I remember is wanting boobs for so long and just praying that I was going to get boobs at some point. But then I don't really remember them developing. I just remember suddenly. I was like, yeah. oh, these are my tits. Okay, right now I've got... And you're not taught about them. You're just told mm. you're going to expect them. So you expect them because you want to wear a bra and you can see someone's bra strap through their school shirt and you're like, damn it, they've got tits already. Oh my God, we had <laughs> such different attitudes to this. Because I got boobs really early and I was like, I'm so embarrassed I'm wearing a bra. Oh, that is so sweet. Oh my God, I was dying to wear a bra. Really? And then I went and got my first bra when I was maybe 14 and uh, I just shouldn't have got it it was honestly like a teacup it was less than it was tiny and it was so padded and it was from Primark and now I think back I actually think in itself that's quite problematic because it didn't even really have any cups it was a flat padded bra which is clearly made for young girls who want to look like they've got bigger boobs which is just oh my god that's so adorable but also like why are we promoting that it's obviously even at that young age, I knew that boobs, big boobs was a great thing because yeah. men love big boobs. Yeah, it's so crazy. I don't know if I share this, but like at school, because it was such an obsession. Like I, there was a um, a Facebook group about my boobs at school and boys would literally try and take photos of my boobs and put them on this Facebook group. It was so horrible oh my god Emmy it's really I'm weird really sorry that's no, so weird that's actually awful it actually was it was so horrible and that is immediately you realize that your boobs are sexualized yeah that, which I find crazy and something I actually find really interesting about this episode is the jump from boobs being a maternal thing needed to feed children to this hypersexualization? Mm. And I think we are as kids only knowing about the hypersexualization element and not actually 
their necessary function. Yeah, exactly. And then it, and then you don't look after them properly. When we were going through all the different types of bras, I'm like, because they're hypersexualized, we've got to wear like really sexy bras all the time. Like wear these lace bras, which actually don't give you any support. And then you're damaging your boobs for the long term. Absolutely. I, I think for the first 10, 15 years, I just wore really crap bras. Mm. And it's only now that I'm like, fuck that. I can have a really soft, comfortable bra and it might not look great, but that's okay because um, my boobs love it. Yeah, exactly. I want to find a bra company. Can a bra company sponsor this? Who's got Slugging. really sexy, comfy bras. And also I was thinking recently, and I'm sure there is this out there, but there should be more bespoke bra services. Yeah. So I find especially with shape of boobs um, as well as size of boobs, it's so bespoke and sizing is different in every single retailer. So why don't we have people making bras for our boobs? I'm pretty sure the queen, get, well, she when she was alive, she got that. I heard that no she way. had a bespoke bra retailer. <sighs> so I'd that's going to be in a museum one day. <laughs> the queen <laughs> Liz's bra. <laughs> I would go and see that. Me too. I, would I really want to see it. it. And I would, I mean, that would be iconic. I would emulate that. I would buy the same one in my size. <laughs> <laughs> Just to feel like a queen. I love that. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, should we introduce this episode? Because I'm really excited about it. Let's do it. So today we have a very special guest joining us. She's a medical expert, award-winning author, and advocate for breast health and empowerment. Dr. Philippa Kay is here with us today discussing a topic that affects all of us every day, which is our boobs. In this episode, Dr. Philippa Kay shares her wealth of knowledge about the diversity of boobs, emphasising the importance of looking after them. She promotes a message of empowerment that resonates with us as women in this world full of diet culture and relentless pressure on body image, let alone the hypersexualization of breasts. So whether you're here to learn more about your own breast health or simply curious about the fascinating world of boobs, you are in for a treat. Dr. Philippa guides us through it all. And who knows, you might just come away with a whole new perspective on how fabulous our boobs really are. So let's welcome Dr. Philippa Kay to the show. So I want to kick off by talking about your book. It sounds incredible. And I know you cover all different types of discussions around boobs, from surgery, from getting to know your boobs, from cancer. Can you give us a bit of a round off of what your book includes and why you started it? So the books that I write are always based off a need that I see in my surgery. Um, and for, um, and that has been menopause and it's been child health and it's been lots of different things. But actually, lots of women come in with breast-related symptoms that aren't breast cancer. And people are aware of the spectre of breast cancer. It's the commonest female cancer. One in seven women in the UK will get it at some point in their lives. They're aware of the spectre of it. And yet... We know that women aren't examining their breasts. We know that certain demographics um, are examining them even less than others. Um, and whilst there is sort of some education out there about breast examination and checking your chest, there seems to be even less about what it is like to live with breasts and how whilst there may be an evolutionary advantage from a purely animal level about having breasts, so, you know, that they can feed children, that they are um, considered to be sexually attractive, you know, that they are an erogenous zone, there's a relative cost to that. They're heavy. Um, they move. They hurt. 
they hurt at different times of the month they can get infected you know breastfeeding isn't always easy they can get cancer etc 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 and there is nothing out there about what it is like to live with breasts and how to help women and girls do that and that impact is really real and we see that particularly when it comes to bras breast pain and sport and we know that girls give up sport and they give up sport in their early teens one of the reasons that they do that is because their breasts hurt and anybody who has ever clamped their hands over their chest to run for the bus knows that and yet buying a bra is a minefield the science behind it is not standardized and it's you know the sizing is bonkers when you look at it in different parts of the world and how different it is and how complicated it is and yet we still don't have a lot of research on it in comparison to the amount of research we have on, for example, running shoes. But if we could put teenage girls in bras that fit them and stop them having breast pain and stop them giving up sport, we could have a knock-on effect on their physical and mental health for the rest of their lives. So why isn't it being done? And so for me, there was a real gap there about breast health as opposed to just breast ill health. Oh, I love that. And you're so right there. It is a minefield out there with bras. Every time I go bra shopping, each country has a completely different sizing chart. And every shop, they're completely different. I'll try on one bra size in one shop and a completely different one in another shop. Yeah, so the book covers everything from how the breasts develop to how to pick a normal bra, how to pick a sports bra, what are the pros and cons of each. And you're right. Um, no, we all know that a size 12 in M&S and a size 12 in Zara are not the same thing. Well, they don't even have that, but, you know, they're not the same thing. Um, but with bra sizes, there's no requirement um, for for them to mean something real, if that makes sense. So you can be a 32D within the same make of bra as in the same manufacturer and fit one style and not another. Um, and there is no such thing essentially, therefore, as your bra size. So when people say, oh, I'm a, and then they name a number and a letter, no, they're not that. They are that in one bra. And in a different bra, it might be something else. And we get really hung up on the numbers and the letters. Um, and there was one piece of research which was done where essentially women were fitted for a bra and were told, you know, do you like this? Do you not like this? Are you comfortable? Yes, yes, yes. And when they were told what the bra size was, if it wasn't the bra size what they think that they thought it was, they were like, oh, I'm not sure that it fits. Um, and so we have a thing about what the bra size should be. And yet most women don't know what the numbers and the letters even mean. And that's really complicated. And it started off um, historically as egg cup, tea cup, coffee cup. Um, and what we know is that the bigger and bigger the breasts are, the more inaccurate it becomes. So it's really difficult. And then you go into a sports bra and you might get some that are sized like that. And you might get some which say small, medium and large. And you might get some which say high impact or low impact. And what does any of that mean if there isn't a standardised test for it? That's absolutely fascinating and slight madness as well. Definitely rings true. I currently have, I would say, 15 John Lewis bras that got delivered yesterday. And they're all in different sizes because I'm trying to find the perfect nude bra. And I think also what I struggle with, which will lead into our next question about how they look, is that bras aren't made for different boob shapes either. And I've noticed just looking 
you know, looking around and my friends and I change in front of each other. Some people have a lot more breasts underneath, some on top, some at the side. And I don't, I find it really hard to find a bra that actually suits the shape of my breast as well as the size. So I guess one question I want to ask you is about the, the look of breasts and how vastly they differ. And do you have people coming into your surgery who are worried about that? And would you just say that there is no sort of normal size of normal shape of breast? And how would you suggest people cater to their different shapes as well? So we're all unique um, and your hair colour is different and your eye colour is different and your height and whatever and your breast size and shape will be different. And there's various factors involved in that from genetics to weight gain, pregnancy, you know, the pill, whatever. And there are lots of different factors involved. It's normal if you have always had inverted nipples to have inverted nipples. If you don't have inverted nipples and one becomes inverted, that's no longer normal and that needs to be checked out. Breasts are different. We aren't Toyotas. It's not put petrol in the car and go. Um, and so you need to find the bra that fits you. Now, how you do that, there are ways. So I think that measuring is a useful start to know as a starting point, should I be looking at a 40AA or a 32M? You know, so uh, like we've got to start somewhere. So I would start there. Um, and then I would say that you put the, the bra on and I am looking for bras that have um, an adjustable back. So it might be hook and eye, it might might be whatever, but you need to have an adjustability to it because actually the elastic wears out in your bras pretty quickly um, and we can see changes within within a relatively few, few number of washes. And so as that elastic stretches, you need to be able to get tighter and tighter. And I'm also looking for adjustability on the straps. And that's because I am five foot tall, you might be six foot tall, we both might have the same breasts, but there are different points on our bodies. Um, and so you have to have adjustable straps. Um, so those are the first two things that I always look for. Then when you put the bra on and you do it up on the loosest setting, that you should be able to slide one finger in the breast in, in, underneath the band and no more. If you can't put a finger in, it's too tight. If you can put your whole fist in, it's too loose. And it needs to be snug and it needs to be parallel all the way around. So it shouldn't rise up at the back like a sad face. And that's the most common mistake that I see in general practice, that women come to me with breast pain and their bra is not fitting. And the reason that I can tell that as they're taking their clothes off, essentially, is that their bra is coming up like that in a sad face um, at the back. So it needs to be parallel all the way around. Then you adjust the straps and you lean slightly forward and you put the breast into the into the cup. It needs to get in there, okay? Um, and then you would adjust the straps. If you can hoik the straps up above your ears, they are too loose. There needs to be sort of a, a little bit of movement to them, but but not too much that they fall off. And the bigger your breasts are, although most of the weight of the breast is covered is is carried on the band itself, it's like a shelf almost. And some will be on on the straps. So if you have very big breasts, then a wider strap spreads some of that weight. Then I would look at the breast bone that the middle of the bra is called the central gore sits flat. So if it's gaping, it doesn't fit you. Um, and then the only thing which should be inside your bra, this is going to sound bizarre, is your breast. So if there is room inside the cup for anything else, then as my grandma, my grandmother always told me to have a £10 note folded up and shoved in so I could get taxi home if I wanted to escape. <laughs> if you can get anything else in there, then it's too big. But if you have the quadruple boob, it's too small. If you have a good bra, it shouldn't hurt you. It shouldn't be really something that you think about. 
And then if you're looking for a sports bra, and interrupt me because I'm going on, um, if you're looking for a sports bra, there are two ways that sports bras can be. It's either compression, so they give you a squish to hold everything in, or it's encapsulation where the breasts are in separate cups like they are in another bra, or you can get a combination of the two. And a high impact bra ideally is for running or jogging where your breasts can move 20 centimetres. Not just up and down, but also sideways and in and out. There's a lot of movement going on there. And a low impact bra for something else, you know, Pilates or something. But what I would recommend is those things that I just said, but also we know, for example, the higher the neckline, the more support that it gives you. For every centimetre up, you're going to get less bounce. So if you are someone that runs, run up and down in your sports bra in the shop. I'm not saying streak across M&S. Saying just run up and down in the cubicle for a minute or do some star jumps. You can tell pretty quickly if it's doing nothing. It makes me realise I need to go through all of my bras and all of my sports bras. My sports bras are like bulletproof vests. I like try and tuck my boobs in so tight. So, And you've got to be able to get them on and you've got to be able to breathe, right? You know, So it's not just about how much compression they give you because they give you too much, then that's not good either. That's a good point, because it takes me about 10 minutes to get my sports bra on and off. <laughs> I think you need a new one. Yeah. But actually, there's a point to it, right? Because bras aren't cheap, are they? Even cheap bras aren't cheap. Um, and it's not that an expensive bra is better, it's about the fit. Um, but bras aren't cheap. And there are lots of times in your life where you will need, where your size will change relatively quickly. Um, and so it might be puberty that you could change three sizes in three months. You might be stable for a little bit then, but you know, there's a lot of change really quite quickly and pregnancy and after the menopause and weight gain and weight loss and they're expensive. And that's a cost that women pay. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. And then when you talk about your, your boobs changing shape, my boobs change shape a lot during my period. So at certain times in my menstrual cycle, they will be bigger. And would you recommend getting a different bra for each different time of your cycle? So what I would recommend is knowing your breasts. That's the first thing. So you have to know your body. You have to own your body in order to recognize when something different is happening to your body and therefore be able to 
um, go to the doctor about it. And it is normal to have breasts which change throughout your menstrual cycle. Your breasts every month are responding to estrogen and progesterone. They are getting ready to breastfeed, whether or not you're even having sex, whether or not you've even met someone that you might possibly consider having sex with. Every month, your breasts are getting ready to breastfeed a baby. Um, and and um, they will be development of the milk glands and the milk ducts. And so as you come towards your period, it's quite common for breasts to be more tender and lumpy and they might get bigger. Um, and a lot of women will have what's known medically as cyclical nostalgia. So they have breast pain, which is cyclical. It comes every month. And then as their period comes, it goes away again. Um, and if you find that as your breasts get bigger, um, often wearing a supportive bra will help with some of the pain of that because breasts are heavy and they're supported by skin and connective tissue. There's not very much support there. Um, and so wearing a bra can be helpful as can wearing a bra at night, a soft bra at night, um, but that can make a difference too. So yes, if you find that your breasts change size enough um, that you need a different bra, then wear a different bra. But that is your normal. And so that's okay. And by okay, I mean, that's not a concern that it's cancer. And so what we normally say is that everybody should examine their breasts about once a month. And if you have a period, then just a little bit after your period starts is often the best time to do it because it's the time where your breasts are least likely to be lumpy and tender. But it's really important that even within that, that you know what your breasts feel like throughout your menstrual cycle. Um, so that I would at some point recommend that you would feel, feel at other times as well. And if you don't have um, a menstrual cycle, then I would say feel on the first because everybody, irrespective of their gender, should be checking their chest region. And one of the things that you're looking for is a change in size or shape um, on one side generally than the other. Whilst asymmetry is normal, if your breasts change in a way that isn't normal for you related to the menstrual cycle, related to, you know, I'm just about to breastfeed, um, then that's not normal for you and that needs to be checked. That's really good to know. Thank really you. good advice. And as well as our menstrual cycle, just thinking a bit more about I guess, the life cycle of the breast. Um, I've, for all the reasons that you mentioned, puberty, breastfeeding, pregnancy, menopause, I'm assuming our breasts are going to change a lot. So from a very sort of basic education point of view, because I feel like they just sprout and we're not really told much about them. What can we expect from our breasts throughout those different life stages? What potential complications or visuals, you know, how do they change? That's how to do a 60,000 word book, which was probably 100,000 words before we edited it down in about two minutes. Um, so um, actually lots of babies are born with some breast tissue, boys and girls, and that's um, from the hormonal effect of being inside an estrogenic environment. Um, and there is something which used to be called witch's milk, which is some babies will even have some kind of nipple discharge um, related to that. Um, but then the, the breast tissue of all genders is the same until puberty. Um, and then with puberty, girls develop breasts. Um, and actually, even our closest genetic relative, which, you know, of the chimpanzees, they only develop breasts when they are um, pregnant or breastfeeding. They don't develop breasts throughout the whole time. 
So there's lots of ideas of why do girls develop breasts and keep them. Um, and there's all kinds of ideas from sexual attraction to something to the baby to hang on to, you know, all, all kinds of things. Um, but you develop breasts um, and those breasts will change in relation to your menstrual cycle. Um, and then if you do get pregnant, your breasts spend nine months getting ready to breastfeed and they can produce colostrum um, even whilst you're pregnant. Um, and then after you um, deliver, even if you don't choose to breastfeed, there will be changes in the breast. And if you do choose to breastfeed, there are changes in the breast. Um, and breastfeeding is uh, once it's established is in a supply equals demand basis. So irrespective of the size of your breasts, you can feed one baby, you can feed twins. That's why wet nurses um, essentially could, could manage to do because the more that the baby removes, the more that will be made. So your breasts make what a one week old needs. But if you're still feeding when your baby is one, they'll make what a one year old needs. Um, and the, the consistency and the constitu constituents of that breast milk will change throughout the day. For example, so milk that's produced at 10 o'clock at night has higher levels of something called tryptophan in it, which is sleepy making. Um, so, you know, it's, it's very clever stuff, but it's very difficult to do. Um, and whilst we know that there are health benefits to mum, to baby and to that baby when they grow up into being a child and adult from being breastfed, I think it's always important to say that fed is best because there is such a huge societal pressure put on women that really impacts their mental health when breastfeeding is not easy. Um, and then there are changes that can be related to estrogen in the pill, progesterone in the mini pill. Um, and then when you go through the menopause, the, what your breasts feel like change again because the milk producing glands essentially shrinks so now your breasts are made much they're much softer and that they're made much more up of um, fatty tissue as opposed to milk producing tissue and you might be more likely to notice lumps and bumps um, at that point as as it changes breasts are i think sort of unique among the parts of a woman's body because women will say that they never feel like it's their own and that's because they're either out there to attract somebody else's attention and for their sexual pleasure or to feed a baby yeah. where is the research about nipple orgasms i mean there's some but you know about how it's an erogenous zone for women and some women can reach orgasm just by stimulation of the nipple alone um where is the research about what women want you know, what, what do women feel is the ideal breast size and shape? Because it might be different to what a man wants. And what does um, a homosexual woman want? And what does, you know, and all of these different things, because bigger is not necessarily better for all kinds of reasons. And actually, that's true. Of what, that's true from what the research suggests from a male perspective as well. Um, so I think it, that it's really fascinating and it's a real example about how women's health is so closely bound up with women's places in society that is so fascinating i think that's it's so true because personally boobs have always been a sexualized thing and even just hearing how they can adapt through breastfeeding and how they change to adapt to what the baby needs it's really lovely to hear that biological stance on it as well that it's not just a sexualization thing and that there actually isn't that much research done ar around that study and I've also always wondered how we made the jump from being basically milk you know breast there to produce milk to a sexualized body part I never really understood that jump so, uh, so it's the dichotomy. It's the dichotomy. It's a contradiction, and it and it's 
it's it goes back to sort of the whole sexualized thing about women in general and that women bearing in mind that we are fighting millennia of women being judged for what they look like, their ability to bear children um, and the male strength dominating all of that. And the pill was in the 60s and HRT was in the 60s and the abortion act was in the 60s. That's all less than 100 years ago. Um, so there's a, a long history um, to unpick and, and that takes a lot of time to move. But there, there is this idea about women's purity and that's where all the stuff comes from about virginity, which is a social construct and virginity and purity going together. And, and from there, you get whole issues about vaginal discharge and periods being dirty and our whole feminine hygiene product industry which is based on the fact that women are dirty when they're not dirty. Um, you know, when women smell, when we're not a bunch of flowers, you know, all, all this kind of stuff. Um, so it's all very closely linked. And when it comes to breasts, there is pressure to both feed your children and yet be sexy. And again, none of which is about you. And I remember on the day that I wrote the introduction to the book, there was a huge article in, in all over the red tops and, and all kinds of newspapers, actually, about a woman who was asked by a security guard in a supermarket car park to move on from breastfeeding inside her own car. And inside that supermarket, there would have been magazines with sexualized pictures of women and their breasts um, and how those two things are something that people struggle with. And yet women have been, are, and will continue to always be both. Yeah, it's such a hard balance to keep. And do you see a lot of women coming in wanting breast enhancements and surgery to try and get that perfect look for men? Um. Breast enhancement, the boob job is the commonest plastic surgery um, globally. Um, I have always seen women wanting to change their bodies. Um, I've seen a rise in women wanting to change their labia on the basis of porn um, or what their partners have said on the basis of porn. Um, so I don't, I don't think there's necessarily a huge rise in the last 20 years of, of the boob job. Um, in that, in, in what I see in my surgery, in that lots of women have always wanted to um, have bigger breasts or different breasts. Um, on the NHS, if you have severe, severe asymmetry, so if one breast doesn't develop, for example, and there's lots of reasons why that might happen, then you can have that done on the NHS. Breast reconstruction is considered to be part of breast cancer treatment. So that is um, done on the NHS. Um, and occasionally um, you can get breast reduction. Not always. You have to meet certain criteria about it having a really big impact, psychological and physical impact, and um, to have that done on the NHS. But for purely cosmetic reasons, um, breast enhancement is not done on the NHS. And it's not it's not a nothing surgery. Um, it's not, you know, I've just had a, a wart frozen off or whatever it may be. Um, and it can affect your ability to breastfeed. Um, it you, is if you do have a breast implant, it's really important that you tell the person when you're having a mammogram because they need to take extra views. Um, and they're not a lifetime surgery. So most people will have to have a revision about every decade. And if you choose that, then that is fine. But I'm not always convinced that the 18, 20, 25-year-olds are fully informed and they will have been informed because it will be on the on the uh, you know on the consent form but are we always thinking through the impact of what we might be doing and i'm not always sure that that happens but 
who are they doing it for is a very interesting question. And if you are doing it for you and it is going to increase your confidence and make you feel good, then away you go. And, and this is what I've seen a lot more of, um, is teens under 16 year olds asking um, what kind of surgery they can have. And that is not okay. Your breasts are not fully developed. Um, and so any surgeon who is considering doing breast surgery on at not even 16, probably 18 um, year old under that age, um, that's, that's a red flag for me. Also, importantly, I guess your mind isn't fully developed yet. And um, when I think about being 16, I definitely wanted to change my boobs. But now I'm 30, I've got much more appreciation of them and appreciation of variance and boob shape and size and everything. So it just that feels really sad. I think that if there was more education about breasts, then there would be less issues around it. Um, think back to secondary school that you got a uniform list. At no point on that uniform list did it say appropriate sports bra so they can do sports. Okay. Now, putting it on a list doesn't guarantee that you have the money to get a good one, that you can change it, you know, when you need to change it. It's not a guarantee, but it might put it on people's radars. And that's one line of print. Um, and so that's not a lot. And um, there is research that girls have said that they would like to know more. So, and there are resources out there. There's something called Treasure Your Chest, which gives lesson plans to teachers. And yet we can't just put everything on teachers in the same way that everything always gets put back to GP, GP to do, you know, check your boiler, GP to do. Um, and, and so we can't put everything on teachers. But something as simple as a line on the uniform list that said sports bra might just put it in someone's brain. And that might make a difference that you are less likely to hate your body if it doesn't hurt, let's just start with that. Never mind all the external stimuli and pressure that comes. But the reason that girls give up sport is not just pain. It's also embarrassment and embarrassment about movement and comments that are made by other people. Bearing in mind that girls essentially will do this a little bit before the boys do. And so often there will be comments. Well, if you're in a good sports bra, there'd be less movement. And and I, it's all just so very closely intertwined and that's the bit that that is it's it's difficult for it's difficult for us as doctors and it's difficult for society and it's difficult but something being difficult doesn't mean that you don't start and are there any tips that you can give young people who are listening of how to start to fall in love with your boobs again and how to not have them sexualized by other people but really enjoy them and appreciate them for being part of your body and what they are um, if you own that sexuality and you're comfortable with that, then that's okay. So if someone says to me, I love the fact that men always mention or women always mention the size of my breasts and, and that makes me feel good, then that's fine. So I'm not anti, I'm not black and white because life isn't black and white. Um, so I would say the first thing is to know them and check them and feel confident about them from that point of view and get any changes checked and get any concerns checked. And then I would say, um, go bra shopping and you can even have a virtual bra fit. Um, and you, you, and as I said before, you use different bras for different things. Um, and I think that loving your body is a big ask for people who are brought up in a diet culture and a culture that sexualizes women and fetish, fetish, fetishizes women of a certain size and shape. I think that if we could just start by accepting what we've got, 
don't have to like it, but we can all hate it. That would be a start. Let's not hate it because it is astounding to me that your body can not only grow at someone else, but it can feed that person. That is astounding to me. Um, and, you know, your breasts can do these wonderful things and they can make you feel good and they can make somebody else feel good. And isn't that great? Um, so let's start with accepting them for what they are. Love that so much. And you're so right. I think there is almost this toxic positivity about your body that you've got to love it all the time. Kind of moving away from that um, body shame. And actually, it's quite nice to be like, I, I do like my body. It's different from everyone else's. I don't have to love it all the time, but it's great. And- so when I say that as someone that, that had cancer, I had cancer when I was 39. I had bowel cancer. I've had a lot of, lot of parts of my organs chopped up and I am riddled with scars. And I look at those scars and it's taken me a long time, a long time. But I look at those scars and I see strength and I see a resilient body. Did I hate it for giving me cancer? Absolutely. Do I wish that it worked better having half my bowel removed? Yeah, I do. Uh, Do I grieve over bits of it? Yes, I do. Is it strong? Yes. That's all that matters. Both can be true, right? That's Yeah, that's very important. And just stop me if you don't have time, please. But I just wanted to move on about care of breasts, because especially especially you just mentioned cancer. I know it was bowel cancer, but in terms of breasts, I know that you said that menopausal and middle aged women can have more lumps and bumps. And in your book, you mentioned joggers. Was it joggers nipple? And something. So, how do you recognise um, what's wrong, what's normal, apart from knowing your body? When should mm. you go to a GP, basically? And, and how would you suggest people check their breasts? So, there's lots of things that can go wrong with your breasts, um, which aren't breast cancer. And there are lots of reasons why you might have lumps and bumps and cysts, and you might have mastitis or um, a blocked milk duct or or all kinds of things. Um, Yes, jogger's nipple is one of them, um, which is essentially friction um, from the movement rubbing in the bra. Um, And so your question is, when do you need to go when something's not normal for you? Um, And so your breasts are covered in skin. The fact that skin changes can mean breast cancer doesn't mean that skin changes always mean breast cancer. You can have eczema and psoriasis and a fungal infection and all kinds of skin changes. You can have a mole on your breast that is is changed and is nasty. It's if something is not normal for you, you get it checked. Full stop. Um, And that's the only way. And that means that... Some women um, will come in when they're breastfeeding lots with lots of different problems and others won't. But you can get breast cancer at any age, at any gender. The fact that it is more common over the age of 50, which is why the mammogram program, the breast screening program starts at 50, doesn't mean that you can't have it before. Of course, you can have it before. And that's why everybody needs to always be checking. Uh, that sounds like always checking constantly. I mean, every month checking. <laughs> It's really good to hear that. We actually had someone um, talking about vulva cancer the other day and how we have to check that as well every month. So I'm going to put a date in my diary and just every month, just have a full body check and see what's going on. Great. Well, I know you have to shoot, but thank you so, so much for this. It's been full of really useful information. So thank you for your time. Thank you so much. And if anybody listening wanted to get the book, it's called Breasts, um, an owner's guide, and it's available everywhere. Um, And thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.